Praise the Lord. Uh, I'd just like to talk to you for a few minutes. We'll see where it goes. Um, um, there is a, first of all, I want to say I love God. He is so good, and it's not just a phrase to respond to and say all the time. God's really good. And uh, the problem is, is that uh, we are limited in knowing him. Danny, you got more attention than I do. <laughs> anyway, we, um, not a problem. Our problem is, is that we can only know God and we're limited by preconceived ideas, preconceived conceptions. I was raised in a Baptist church, later went to a Methodist church. When I was in the Navy, I sang in the Catholic church. I was in the Blue Jackets choir in boot camp. And uh, so I made the rounds. You know, the devil didn't jump on me when I got into the Catholic church. Hallelujah. Because, you know, in the Baptist theology, we all thought that uh, the Catholics were the Antichrist. And every, my mom's wisdom was don't ever marry a Catholic. <laughs> and um, because her sister married a Catholic and she had to sign papers that she would raise her kids Catholic. You know, just all that sort of thing. And I was uh, just telling Dean this morning uh, before the service, um, we were, uh, it, I was amazed when I moved to this area because, you know, with all of this theological background of the Baptist, um, I was going to these full gospel businessmen meetings and Catholics were there. Oh, you ought to be interested in this. I didn't think about that. But um, Catholics were there, and they were saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, and spoke in tongues. Something, there's got to be a problem here. <laughs> How can these Catholics be saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, and speak in tongues? So I had to either figure there's something wrong with my theology, or something wrong with God, because why would he give the Holy Ghost to Catholics? So, you know, over the years, I've gone through progression. And I still have friends that, you know, praise the Lord, they, they still think the way that way. But I was actually, I think, uh, I was, oh, yeah, I was uh, mentioning to Dean, I was, uh, we were talking about the testimony. How many of you know testimonies are important? Well, I was, uh, I dropped off Melody up at, in Elysburg, and I was driving home, and I just put on this, uh, this Catholic station. I like to listen to it, except when they get into some stuff. But anyway, there, this lady had gone to a meeting, and I wasn't even planning on talking about this. But, but this lady had gone to this meeting. She had some sort of, uh, it was like Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, but some brain, brain thing. And so she couldn't keep her balance. She had to walk with a cane and all that sort of thing. And she went to a Catholic meeting, and they got, she got prayed for, and she got healed. 
Hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. You know, if you can't appreciate somebody else's miracle, it's hard for you to get yours. Just thought. We need to, we need to praise God every time he's good. Well, yeah, this is the reason I'm talking about this, because of the goodness of God. And, you know, she, she, she wasn't progressively healed, but she progressively checked it out. Because, you know, she couldn't do things for a long time. And so eventually she got to the place where she was running around the house, literally running. Hallelujah. And we're not talking about a spring chicken. We're talking about this lady that was, that was uh, upper in upper age, whatever. You know, the older I get, the older I get, upper age keeps going farther. You know, I used to think 70, 60 or 70, man, what's the deal, man? You know, now 80 don't look too bad. You know, it's, you know if you got Facebook, I, I, put, I posted this, um, this news article about this Marine, ex-Marine, he was 93 years old and he was still going to the gym. And I'm thinking, dude, he's lifting weights that I couldn't even imagine lifting. <laughs> and uh, anyway, God is good. So I've mentioned this before and it's not original with me. Unless you are, unless you are anchored... In the goodness of God, your theology will be limited by your pain. I want to say that again. Unless your hope is anchored, or unless your, the, uh, unless your belief is anchored in the goodness of God, you will limit, uh, you will limit your theology by the amount of pain. And let me just say this. I knew this when I was a young guy. I moved here. And uh, I was asked to do a funeral with another pastor. And he was well known. And if I mentioned his name, you'd, a lot of you would know. And so uh, we, we did the funeral and we rode together. We were riding back. And uh, he said, you know, I used to believe like you did, like you do. He said, but I prayed for somebody, and they died, so I quit. Well, you know, I prayed for people, and they died. But I made, I made a stupid statement when I was in Bible school. <laughs> I said, God, I said, and I said it with a witness, I said, I don't care what other people say and what other people do, I'm going to believe the Word of God. You know, everything I, when I started out in ministry, everything I believed was challenged. Do you know, if you believe something, especially if you start believe something new according to the scripture, you will be challenged on it. You know, if you believe in healing, you're going to be challenged on it. First people I prayed for died. You know, but I thought, I'm not quitting. They might have quitted on me. Don't pray for me, Pastor. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> but you know what? Since then, I've seen the miracles that are talked about in the Bible. I've seen th through the Holy Spirit. I'm not giving credit to myself. I'm just telling you what the Bible, that the Bible is true. Yeah. 
I've seen the blind eyes open. I've seen deaf ears open. I've seen the lame walk. I've seen people. I've just seen the whole gamut. And I believed I was a part of raising the dead. We, I couldn't get, I can't just say I raised the dead because we didn't have it clinically. They didn't have a death certificate. But I was in a service where this lady keeled over. She just kind of, she was sitting in between her daughter and her son-in-law, and she just, in the service. And uh, fortunately, at that time, I wasn't the pastor, but I was uh, an assistant pastor. And so we, you know, we and the elders went down, and, and we prayed for her, and she, bam, she came back. You say, well, maybe she fainted. She didn't faint. I could give you some other examples, but... I'm telling you all this for a reason, because God is good. And you, you, if, you're, if you limit your belief in the goodness of God, your theology will be regulated by your pain. Like that pastor I was telling you about, he prayed for somebody and they died. And so he says, I'm not going there. And I understand that. I'm not criticizing him because the thoughts crossed my mind a few times. Hey, just back off. Just preach. Just preach certain things. But faith is spelled how, Raymond? R-I-S-K. Or Roberts, when he was still living, he came to our Bible school and, you know, he says, I don't preach by the clock. I preach by the calendar. Man, he could preach. He didn't, you know, he could just preach for hours. And, uh, but I remember one thing he said. He says, he says you got to get out on a limb and take a saw and saw the limb off for faith. Now think about that. You're out on a limb. And you could be, you know, up there high, and you're sawing off the limb because God told you. Don't just go do it because you, you think, well, I heard a testimony. They sawed off the limb. We'll be coming and visiting you in the hospital. <laughs> if God tells you to do something, then bless God, he's going he's gonna to come through. And the reason I said all that is actually because, because of the you know, I, I was raised in a church where women couldn't do too much. You know, they could be a Sunday school teacher. They could be a missionary. They could teach men on the mission field, but they couldn't teach men in the, in the church. <laughs> they could not teach men. And I was blessed this morning because uh, I was going to pray for Jonathan, and uh, Katie kept asking me, are you going to pray for Jonathan? I said, uh, well, do you feel led? She says, yeah. So I says, well, go for it. You know, in churches I've been in before, the pastor does everything. He visits the sick, and, I'm, and I'll visit the sick. Visits the sick, prays for the sick, does this, does that. But bless God, and I, I believe in our Bible that we read, it tells us that all the believers do that. These signs shall follow those that are pastors. 
apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors. No, these signs shall follow them that believe, and each one of you and I are a part of the believing core. These signs will follow them that believe. But if our theology is based on something that anchors us down to where we can't believe it or because of past teaching. I remember I got, I got set free. Uh, the Lord gave me a vision. And I always believed there was two things that, that, uh, that really shifted my mind. One was, why would God anoint somebody and then tell them they can't do it? To me, that would be cruel. Because I don't know, if you've ever been anointed to do something and you're restricted in doing it, it's a real frustration. And so when she said that this morning, when, when I said go for it, I thought, praise God, we've got somebody that believes the word and we're not going to hold them back. We're not going to restrict them. Hallelujah. Somebody says, well, the Bible says that uh, women are supposed to be silent in the church. Well, you know what? Then how come the Bible says your sons and your daughters will prophesy? There has to be something. There's not anything wrong with the Bible. It's our, sometimes our interpretation of the Bible, how we apply the word, and a lot of times what we believe about the Bible is what we believe not because of what we've read, it's is we believe because of what somebody told us. Exactly. We've been taught. You know, I remember uh, I was, uh, ra- when I first uh, rededicated my life to the Lord, is this okay? Are you bored? I can get to my message. And this is a little <laughs> scary for me because I just like to shut up and sit down and be quiet. That's, that's me. I don't mind other people talking. I'm not a pulpit hog. You know, you just ask my, you know, just ask Melody and Joel and Katie and you know, whoever. I, I don't have to preach every week. As a matter of fact, they make me preach more than I want to, but that's, <laughs> that's the way it is. <laughs> but bless God. I'm just, oh, the other thing was we were in Portugal. And I remember that I was going to get to preach the next day, you know, in this Portuguese church. And the Lord gave me a vision. And what it was, I saw a, a person that half of their body was paralyzed and half of their body was normal. And they're just like dragging, kind of just dragging along, you know. And the Lord says, that's the body of Christ. And then he said, it's because they have bound half of the body of Christ. (laughs) Well, the men's the one half. What would be the other half? The women. Okay. So that's what, that's what set me free. You know, and uh, when we first got into it, I had a lot more opposition because I would encourage Melody not to be silent. Even when I, even when I had a, a struggle in myself because of, of, of old theology. 
and I didn't understand all the scriptures. I had this struggle on the inside of me, but I knew that I knew if God would anoint somebody, he wouldn't restrict them from going ahead. So I always encouraged her. I never, ever, plus I had a good, you know, everybody remember Lester Summerall? Lester Summerall, uh, when I was just a Bible school student, I wasn't in the ministry yet. He, he came and he taught us and he says, he says, you young guys, he says, uh, you better marry a preacher. <laughs> well, you know, to some of us, that was a shock. You know, what do you mean marry a preacher? He says one night he was, he was supposed to preach someplace and he didn't feel good. So he sent his wife to preach. I thought, well, hey, man, but, you know, so that kind of helped me too. just send my wife to preach. Glory to God. So you don't want to limit, you don't want to limit yourself by past theology. Read the Bible yourself. I was restricted because I came into the into the body of Christ in the I came back to the Lord, I should say. I got actually saved in 1967. But I came back to the Lord, got rededicated my life to the Lord. Do you know, after I got the Holy Spirit, I didn't need to rededicate myself anymore. I remember John Osteen said he wore his rededicator out a number of times. Anybody, anybody, you know, there's nothing wrong with rededicating yourself. But you know what? When I got filled with the Holy Spirit, I didn't need to go to the altar as much to get myself rededicated because Jesus said, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses. So bless God, you don't, need, you don't need your rededicator. But anyway, to get back to what I was talking about, I came back uh, around 1976. Anybody ever remember Hal Lindsey? One of his first books was The Late Great Planet Earth. And it wasn't just a book, they made it into a movie. And so Melody and I went and watched this movie. It was in a... It was in a um, regular movie theater, and um, the place was packed. You know, and man, Jesus, by the end of the movie, Jesus was coming back any second. So, you know, if you, uh, you know, you start, when you have that theology and that thinking, and we're, and I'm still looking for Jesus, okay? I'm not, don't get upset and think, well, he don't believe Jesus is coming back. I believe Jesus is coming back. Okay, but I, we made decisions that were not good based on that theology. Yes. Why go to college? Yes. Jesus is coming back, man, yeah. any day now. As over 40 years ago, you know, and I'm not saying, I believe Jesus is coming back and I'm looking for, I'd like, I'd have liked him to come back a long time ago. Okay. I'm not giving, I believe Jesus is coming back. But if you base your life on, Jesus said this, he said to occupy till I come. That doesn't mean sit there and wait for him to come back. Remember when Jesus was uh, ascended. When he ascended, if you read the Bible, didn't mean you were there, but 
You remember? Oh, yeah. Okay. Praise the Lord. So anyway, he ascends on high. And so what are the disciples doing? They're standing there looking. And these two guys come up. We don't know if they're angels. It doesn't say angels. But these two guys come up and say, what are you doing gazing into the sky? He says, this same Jesus is coming back. But before, but before he left, he gave him, a, gave him an assignment. The problem with expecting Jesus to come back at any time is sometimes we know, well, why bother doing this? Because I'm waiting on Jesus. And hey, I, I believe Jesus is coming back. That's why I think you need to live a holy life. Just a thought. You believe, you, we still believe in holiness, don't we? Praise the Lord. Did you get anything out of that? Praise the Lord. I did. It felt good just talking. I'm practicing, so maybe I'll get on YouTube and just do a YouTube blog. <laughs> most of the time I just sit there don't want to talk so but I see Danny he gets on there and he talks on Facebook live man the thing about Facebook live is you can't take it back if you start stuttering you know it's too bad Jack you're out there <laughs> no no you're doing great you're an inspiration I'm just thinking about me stuttering yeah I know but I'm not I'm ignoring it so but it's different preaching than it is sitting in a chair and talking to a camera. So anyway, what, are we, what were we talking about two weeks ago? Anybody remember? I remember because I got it right there written down. <laughs> talking about um, seating your city. Seating your city. The sower sows the word. Okay, we talked about um, the sower sowed the word indiscriminately. Indiscriminately. That means that he didn't choose. He didn't say, well, this looks like good ground. I'm only going to sow here. He just took the seed and just started throwing it wherever it would go. But you know what? A lot of times we choose who we think is going to be either worthy to receive or who we think is going to receive it. Indiscriminate. What does, what does indiscriminate mean? It means done at random, without careful judgment. If you're sowing the seed indiscriminately, you're not, you are, it's just, it's just done randomly, without careful judgment. How many of you think about who are you going to talk to? The sower sows the word. Jesus was the sower when he was here, but now you're the sower. You're the sower. All right. It also means, indiscriminately means, not using or exercising discrimination. Not using or exercising discrimination. You know, I believe in borders and all that stuff. But, you know, anybody that the Lord uh, brings between us could be our opportunity. I'm not going to judge by color, by race, by creed, by whatever. Besides, we know that God is 
moving miraculously among groups. I mean, he's, Jesus is showing up in dreams and visions and showing himself. He is indiscriminately sowing seed. Jesus is still sowing seed, but he wants us to be the sower of the seed. And the reason, uh, the reason we're sowing the seed is because we want to be a blessing to our city. I'm going to give you this again. It says Proverbs 11, 11. It says, by the blessing of the upright. Any, do we have any upright people in here? If you're upright, if you're not upright, you're upside down. But Paul and us come to turn the world right side up. They say they turn the world upside down. No, when you're upside down all the time and you get turned around, you think it's upside down. No, it's right side up. So you and I are here to turn the world right side up. Thank you, Jesus. We're not doing it. We're not judgmental. We're not judgmental. We're not, uh, we're not critical. We're not even, even trying to correct people. Have you ever been corrected? Yep. Did you like it? Nope. No, I don't think, Jelena, were you ever corrected? Did you like it when it happened? Nope. We, none of us like correction because we're right. If you're right, you don't want to be corrected. <laughs> and so we've got to come to a place where we are able to sow the seed without being critical. And I'm not saying backing off on the gospel. I'm just saying that we can't be critical. I don't think Jesus was critical of people. The only ones he was critical of is those that are trying to kill him before the time. He says, by the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted. So how many of you know that God wants you to, God wants cities saved. God wants Town saved. God wants states saved. God wants nations saved. And I believe that the scripture gives us a key as to one way we can bring atmospheric change. He says, but, by the, but it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. By the mouth of the wicked. I got a mouth. You got a mouth. Okay. The righteous have a mouth. And the unrighteous have a mouth. I remember one time somebody told me, he says, you have to out-talk the devil. How many of you know the devil's got a big mouth? The devil has a big mouth. How many of you know the devil talks to you? The devil talks to you, and you have to out-talk him. I don't mean you have to get in a conversation with him. Sometimes out talking the devil is just raising your hands and starting to say, Hallelujah, the Lord God omnipotent reigns. You don't have to get in a conversation with the devil. I mean, you can sometimes, and sometimes you have to tell him where to go to get out. But you can worship, you can worship and praise and get your focus off of him, get your focus on God, and you're doing spiritual warfare. And you can do spiritual war. You can cast out devils. I don't care. Jesus told you to do that. But sometimes for you to win a city, 
It's hard for you just to cast the demon out of the city unless you have the whole church gathered together in one accord and one mind and taking authority over that and walking in righteousness. But every time, every time you lift your hands or praise and worship him, you are speaking blessing over the city and the city is exalted by what you do because the enemy cannot stand the praises of God. And so he will do everything he can to get you out of that mode. You don't have, this was wonderful worship this morning. Wonderful worship. But bless God, you have got to be more of a worshiper than Sunday morning. You know, you, you will get more, you, the more you worship outside of church, the more you will get out of worship in the church. In the church. If you focus on uh, the news media all the time, it is definitely hard to enter and to worship. It sound, uh, the only song I can think of right now, I'm thinking of a hard heart, but the only song I can think of now is your cheating heart. What do I mean? Your, what do I mean? Cheating heart. Well, we've got more of our focus on, on the news than we got our focus on the Lord. I'm not saying don't watch the news, but bless God, give God more time because your cheating heart will tell on you. Well, I don't get anything out of worship. Duh, no wonder you're cheating hard. <laughs> Hallelujah. You can be a worshiper. You can be a worshiper in your car. You can be a worshiper when you're working on hair just by, just by worshiping in your heart. It, also, it doesn't all have to be vocal. It, it's good to be vocal, but you can be worshiping God. You can have an attitude of worship. Well, what does it do when, when the mouth of the, by the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted? Well, you know what? You and I are people of faith. And I'll probably mention this again, but we call those things that be not as though they were. We don't want to call what we see. We want to call what God says about our city. And God wants our city to be saved. And so I've mentioned this before, but I call Elizabethville the city of God. Nobody told me to do that, but the spirit of God did. So if, the, if God says to call it the spirit, if God says to call it the city of God, he must have a reason for it. He might, he, maybe he wants to inhabit it. Maybe he wants to do something there. Maybe he wants to cause revival to come. Maybe he wants to prosper it. Maybe he wants to use it as a hub for healing the sick. I don't know what he wants, but you just do what he says. Even though it might sound strange, seem unreasonable. Why are it? Because we are indiscriminate sowers of the word. We're not here to judge the word. The word goes. We are to indiscriminately sow the word of God. And if God says it's a blessed, if he says it's the city of God, then when you speak it, you sow it. 
And when you sow it, it's, something's going to grow there. One of my favorite stories when I was a kid was Jack and the Beanstalk. Anybody remember Jack and the Beanstalk? They made a movie out of it. But I just remember I, my mom would tell me stories. I'd beg her to tell me stories. I can't even tell you. So, some of them aren't even politically correct. <laughs> but anyway, Jack and the Beanstalk. I remember he got these beans, these magic beans, and, he, and his mother got mad at him and threw him, threw him out the window. But it grew. Bless God. Even though no, his mother didn't believe it, but even though she threw those beans out, the, when you plant the seed, the seed will grow. Indiscriminate. Maybe it won't grow in some people's heart, but if you indiscriminately sow the seed, it's going to produce a harvest. Hallelujah. Also, by, by, bless, by us blessing the city, we create an atmosphere that changes the city. Why? How can we do that? Because God inhabits the praises of his people. He's just not, he just didn't show up in Elizabethville on Sunday morning. No, no, no. I would almost bet that Lena and her house will worship God every now and then. Is that right? Amen. So I think God shows up. Anybody else in this uh, church kind of praise God every now and then besides Sunday morning? Bless God, then God's inhabiting. So what you're doing, you're bringing God into the atmosphere and you're driving the darkness out. Dark and light cannot cohabit. And so when you bring God in, the light or the, the darkness leaves because the light comes in. So as we bless the city, as we worship our Father, as we bless the city, then it begins to change the atmosphere. It begins to break the strongholds over the city. If you are saying what you see in the city, you are only, you're only propagating the negative that's already there. But if you begin to say what God says about the city, if you begin to worship and praise God, and then, well, God didn't tell me that this is the city of God. Well, then do it by faith. God wants you to be blessed. Your, your theology can only go as far as your hope is anchored in God. Because in any way where you lose hope in God, your theology shrinks you. Your theology, well, how does my theology shrink me? Did you ever, did you, have you ever been in a church where they wouldn't let woman, women do anything? Yes. I, I knew that. That's why I asked. Well, once you, got, once you found out about the goodness of God, did it kind of take the lid off a little bit? What really did it was I couldn't figure Just it out. Just answer yes or no. <laughs> this is a courtroom. Answer the question, yes or no. <laughs> okay, you can go ahead because Cheryl's going to get on me if I, if I don't let you answer. What? what I couldn't figure out is why would they send uh, a woman missionary That's to That's my thought, too. And that, that started the wheels turning and, and just searching the word and all that. So. 
Uh, me too. I had that same thought. Did she teach Sunday school? And yeah, teach kids, Sunday school. Because there's boys in that class, <laughs> and eventually they're going to be men. Yeah, all right. Just a thought. <laughs> so the more, and let me just say this, the only truth that sets you free is the truth that you apply. Remember, Jesus said you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Not set you free, make you free. But the only truth that makes you free is the truth that you apply. Because how many of you know, some of us have had theologies and we've had right theology. We believe the right things, but we didn't act on it. You've got to act on the truth and as you act on the truth, the truth begins to make you free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's a good word there. Thank you, Jesus. So anyway, and we already talked about Jeremiah 29, 7. The scripture, tell, God's telling the Jews that are being carried into Babylon. Babylon. I mean, how many of you want to I mean, that would be sin city, wouldn't you think? <laughs> and God says, when you're carried into Babylon, seek the peace of the city. So you could be living in sin city, and God says, I don't care where you're living, you seek the peace yes. of the city. And the reason we said that is because your, your, your blessing is partly determined by the blessing of the city. You know, if there's a high crime rate there, that limits, that limits your blessing. But how many of you know there's places where crime, the crime rate has gone down? Thank you, Jesus. Well, we're talking about the blessing of the upright exalting the city. Well, how are we going to exalt the city? Proverbs, Proverbs hallelujah. Oh, it's only 11 o'clock, hallelujah. <laughs> Man, I thought I was almost done. Here it is, 11 o'clock. <laughs> Are you getting anything out of this? Seek the peace of the city. Pray to the Lord for it, for in its peace you will have peace. Amen. So in other words, the, your, your peace is determined by how much peace the city has. So in other words, well, if God wanted me to have peace, I guess I'd have peace. The Lord must be trying to teach me something. Yeah, read the Bible and find out what he wants you to do and pray for the city so that you don't have to go through the turmoil. Thank you, Jesus. You know, sometimes we blame the Lord for a lot of stuff that he's not even responsible for. Thank you, Jesus. Bless the Lord. Well, I want to just mention that Jesus told us to uh, any time we go into a house, we are to leave our peace. How do we leave our peace? We say peace to this house. And really, if you have faith and you really believe that your words have, uh, have meaning and have power, then really peace will come on that house. Your peace. Say my peace. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you have peace? If you have peace, then you, can leave, you can't leave what you don't have. 
So it's imperative, it's, it's critical that you go after peace. The scripture says the God of peace will be with you. Doesn't the scripture say that the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly? Well, if he's the God of peace and I'm made in his image and, I, and uh, I'm a partaker of his divine nature, then it's obvious that I should have peace. You have it, it just might be in a box. Any of you have some things in a box at home? You pull out on a special occasion. I remember when my mom used to have silver in a box. That silver sat there for years. But, you know, we were using that other stuff every day. Everyone, I think I only remember once or twice that silver coming out of that box. And it was a velvet-lined box. I was, it was a kid. I was impressed. Ooh, a velvet line. This feels good. <laughs> but you know what? Some of us are keeping our peace in a box. Some of us are keeping our joy in a box. Some of us are keeping our laughter in a box. Did you know laughter is an exercise of faith? No, I only laugh when it's funny. Well, you got to start laughing when it's not funny. You ought to start laughing when you're going through hell. Notice I said going through, not camping out there. You start laughing as you're going through hell, and your stay in hell will be shorter. Why? Because the devil doesn't like you laughing. You ever hear my fear story? <laughs> A lot of you have. Maybe Danny. Danny had, uh, we lived in a house, and this, uh, make a long story short, the, this couple, the kids were into Dungeons and Dragons. And then later on, I found this tombstone in the backyard that was taken from a cemetery. You know. So they were into all sorts of stuff. And uh, I remember uh, the, one of the quiet times was when everybody else went to bed. So I'd stay up late. And I'd stay downstairs because the bedrooms were upstairs. I'd stay downstairs and I'd pray, you know. I'd just get with God. And all the lights and all the uh, lights were out. And um, I'd start going up the steps to go to the bed. And there was a light at the top of the... There was a light at the top of the stairs and... Um, if I left the light on, I felt, I felt good. Felt, but if I'd turn that light off when I was at the bottom of the steps, I'd start walking up those steps, and I felt like a claw was gripping me in the back of my back. And it was fear. And for a year, in the name of Jesus, you know, I fought that thing for, in the name of... You, you believe us? You believe it? Yeah, yeah. In the name of Jesus, you know, I'm just doing everything I know. And I remember after a year of this, you know, I'd get, you know and I'd turn out that light because I was going to let the devil, you know, mess with me. And I remember I started going up the steps and the Lord said, laugh. That's all he said, laugh. And I'm thinking, why do that? 
So anyway, I just started laughing. Ha, 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 ha. You said, that sounds fake. It was faith. Do it by faith. I started, ha, 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 ha. And the devil started talking to me. He said, what are you laughing at? Well, the Lord didn't, all he said to do was laugh. But I said, I'm laughing at you, devil. And you know what? That thing left and never came back. You know why? Because the devil don't like to be laughed at. When you have a messianic complex, you know, what did the devil want in Isaiah 14? I'm going to exalt my throne above the most, I will be like the most high God. So you start laughing at him. That hurts his feelings. You know, the devil don't like his feelings hurt. Never happened again. So, well, I don't feel like laughing. Well, keep feeling that way. (laughs) But I just got this feeling (laughs) deep inside of me. Lord, you just don't realize what you do to me. When you hold me in your arms so tight, you let me know everything's all right. I'm hooked on a feeling, I'm high on believing that you're in love with me. I could do this. I got another verse. Your word is sweet as honey, the taste is on my mind. Lord, you got me thirsty for some Holy Ghost new wine. I got a friend in you, Lord. Uh, Anyway. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Don't you think we can bless the city? Don't you think we can change the atmosphere? Should I just quit this? And I'm talking about not just today. Should I just finish this sermon sometime or just can it go to something else? No? Not today. Hallelujah. Well, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I just decree right now in the name of Jesus that your people are overcomers. I decree right now that Christ is the victor. Christ is the victor through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is victor over death, hell, and the grave. He is victor over sickness. He is victor over poverty. He is victor over oppression in the name of Jesus. And I decree right now, Lord, that our mouths are going to start blessing our city. Our mouths are going to start uh, speaking life into our city. Uh, We're going to start speaking life into our families. We speak life into our jobs. We speak life into every area that we have influence. Now, Father, we thank you, Lord God, for the life that's in this room. But, Father God, you told us not to stay in this room. You told us to go in the name of Jesus. So, Father, I just decree, Lord God, by the power of your word, that we are victorious and we're going to demonstrate Christ's victory in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you.